excited to share it with you. I really believe that it's, um, it's a word from God for, really for everyone, as long as we continue in our Christian walk. It's something that we're going to continue to need to be reminded of. And um, this is actually, Linda asked me a while back if I was interested in speaking at one of the workshops at the women's retreat. And it was such an honor. And so she said, like, three of the main subjects were courageous, prayerful, and victorious. And she said, which one would you like to speak on? And it was just hands down, I knew immediately, victorious. And um, I know it's such a Christianese sounding word, but we're going to dig in, and there's just so much to it, and that's really the ultimate plan that God has for all of us in the way that he wants us to live here on this earth. And so we're going to dig into that. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you, God, for your awesome word, for your presence. God, everything that we need really is in you. And so wherever we're at tonight, um, whatever our day was like, whatever our stress level, we just... We just kind of exhale, and we're just going to be in your presence tonight and open our hearts and our minds, and we ask you to speak to us, God. We ask you to speak to us a fresh word, a personal word for each and every one of us. God, your word is perfect. Your truth is perfect, and so we ask you to show it to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, victorious victorious. That's that's God's plan. In fact, he already made it happen. He already made us victorious. We've been made more than conquerors, right? Through Jesus. And Jesus came and defeated the devil. Think back to the garden where everything was perfect, and then sin came into the world, and all manner of evil that came with it as a result of sin, and man was separated from God. But God loved us and all of mankind so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die, to earth, to die, and to be the ultimate sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice, once and for all. And he took all sin, all judgment, all punishment upon himself and took it so that we didn't have to. And he defeated death. He died. He rose again. He defeated death. And we have, because of Jesus, we have been redeemed and reconciled back to God. And now, as he is, he is the ultimate victor, right? He defeated death and sin and every evil thing. And so now, as he is, so are we in this life, on this earth. The scripture says in 1 John. And he's the head. He's the head. And we are the body of Christ, right? And so we are seated with Jesus at the right hand of the Father. And the enemy has been stripped from all authority in our lives. As children of God and being in the family of God, the devil has been stripped of all authority because of Jesus. He's been stripped, brought to naught. He's defeated and under our feet. Amen? Praise God, right? Praise God. Romans 8, 31 and 32. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who did not spare, let's think about this. 
who did not spare his own son, but he gave himself up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, Jesus, graciously give us all things? And some translations say freely give us all things. And freely means like in copious, generous amounts. How will he not give us freely all things? John 16, 33, I've told you these things so that in me you might have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world, Jesus said. Proverbs 21, 31, the horse is made ready for the day of battle, but victory rests with the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, but thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through Jesus Christ. Jesus came so that we would have life, a good life, and have it in abundance, abundantly to the fullest. Deuteronomy 20, verse 4, for the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you, against your enemies to give you victory. Joshua 10.8, don't be afraid. I have given them, I have already given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. But Joshua still had to fight, didn't he? The Lord told him, the battle's already won. I've already given them into your hand, but Joshua still had to fight. The Lord took care of it in the spirit, but Joshua had to possess life here on the earth when we don't have to. You know, it's kind of like um, being left an inheritance. So you've got, say someone left you an inheritance of millions of dollars, and you're struggling in life, you can't pay your bills, and you always need a, a ride because you don't have a car, and you're just struggle, 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 struggle not really realizing that somebody left you all this money, you've, yet you've been struggling, but you didn't have to. And I've been, so I'm 43, and my entire adult life I've worked in full-time ministry. And so I've seen, you know, I've seen a lot. I know that there's a lot more for me to see and a lot more for me to learn, but where I'm at, I have seen a lot in the last 20 years. And it's just so common, and it just puzzles me, and I've just been really seeking the Lord about it. Because there are so many good, good, good people who love God so much and who have integrity and good character. And if they died today, they would go straight to heaven. And, um, you know, and they have a, a beautiful relationship, personal relationship with the Lord, but they live in a defeated state here on the earth. There's just constant struggle and constant lack in every area, just just constant defeat. And so I've just been so puzzled by it, even in my own life. And I've been, I've been saved and walking with the Lord since I was a little girl, but there's still some areas that I just feel defeated in. And so, you know, I've just been seeking the Lord about this for months and months now. And, oh, he's just showing me. You know, when you seek him, you really will find him. When you knock, the door really will open. And the more you seek, the more he shows you, the more you dig, like you're looking for diamonds. You're mining for diamonds, you know, in the word. And it just comes to life. And things that you've read like a million times, all of a sudden you're like, oh, I see something new here. It's just so exciting. Um, so I've just been digging and digging and digging. And I'm like, Lord, I, knew, I, w I really want you to teach me about this because I've, been, I've really been pondering that that scripture, as he is, so am I 
in this world, not just in the one to come, because we know we have ultimate victory. We go to heaven. We're, we have eternal life. When we receive Jesus Christ, the ultimate gift of salvation is you know, being reconciled to God, and there's not that separation anymore, and we're going to be with him for eternity. But he's a good, we're just saying it, he's a good, good father. And so it'd be silly to think that we as natural parents would have more compassion um, and want something better for our natural children than our heavenly father would want for us, right? So I've been asking him, Lord, teach me. Where's the disconnect? Where am I missing it? Where are people missing it? How can I help people? How can I live the life that you really have designed for me to live? Where, how can I get rid of this internal frustration that I can't seem to get rid of? What is going on? I always pray, I've been praying for years and years that the Lord would help me. To, I don't want to be deceived. Lord, whatever the truth is, that's what I want to know. Teach me the truth. Show me where I'm Show me where I'm wrong. Show me where I'm off, you know, just constantly. And until Jesus comes back, he's going to keep, um, n- I mean, none of us have it all right. You know, we all believe something that's wrong. So until Jesus comes back in this journey, as long as we're seeing, he's going to continue to show us um, the truth as long as we are seeking it. Okay, so 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6. The fight... And the struggle, this is paramount, the fight and the struggle is not a physical one. It's a spiritual battle. And we are defeated when we are fighting the wrong way. So many are just living in the natural realm, and that's where they're fighting, in the flesh and in the natural realm. And they're just, oh, I'm mad at people, and the attitude, this person and this person in my past, and not realizing that they're, they're fighting they're fighting the wrong way, and you'll never be victorious um, fighting the wrong way. It's a spiritual, spiritual battle. We can't win a spiritual battle in the flesh. Second Corinthians 10, 3 through 6 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons that we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, get this. They have the weapons that we have. They have divine power. They have divine power. You and I have divine power to demolish strongholds because of Jesus. We demolish arguments um, and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Going back here, it says, um, arguments, we demolish arguments going on in your mind. Arguments going on in your mind. This is where the battle's at, in your mind. So we spend all this time fighting in the flesh and mad at this person and mad at that person and struggling, fighting, struggling, fighting. And this battle is going on right here and we're not even recognizing what it is Arguments. What are, what are arguments? A reason or set of reasons given with the aim of persuading others that an idea or action is right or wrong. So the devil, we've already established, he's defeated. There's, Jesus did everything that he could possibly do to defeat the devil. And so the only, like the devil is not powerful. 
He's just deceptive, and he is smart. He's been doing it for a long time. The only weapon that he has against you and me is deception. And he does this by feeding us wrong thoughts, by feeding us negative thoughts, by feeding us things that are contrary to the word of God, feeding us things that are contrary to the will of God. And so these arguments, this battle going on in your mind, back and forth, these arguments going on in your mind. His weapon is deception, lies. He's a liar. There's no truth in him. He's just nothing but darkness. He's the father of all lies. And you know it started in the garden. I mean, think about this. So Adam and Eve have just such a beautiful relationship and communion and fellowship with God. I mean, just imagine, we're going to have that same kind of thing that they had one day. So, and actually, I mean, we do have that with Jesus. We can go straight straight to God. But they, they fellowshiped with him in the garden, and they had all this stuff. And, I mean, they were just so blessed in every way. There was nothing, think about this, nothing wrong. Nothing wrong. Everything was absolutely perfect. They just had one little thing that they had to stay away from, and it was that one tree they couldn't eat from. And now the devil, he was not powerful. He couldn't come and just overtake Eve, uh, Eve or Adam. He couldn't come in and just, you know, strike them in some way. But how did he do it? How did he weasel his way in there? He's a liar, and, he's, um, and he, he tricks and he deceives with partial truths. And so he comes in, and Eve's there, and he just says, he starts conversation with her, and he says, did God really say that? His thoughts. And this is exactly how he works in our lives. Did God really say that? Did he really tell you that, you know? And, and so she's thinking, well, what did he really say, you know? And how did that really go down, and what's the motive here? And, you know, and he's telling her, you know, he just doesn't want you to be like him or whatever. So this is how the enemy works. So he came in such a subtle, deceptive way. And so she took the bait. And we all are here thanks to Eve taking the bait, right? Um, she took the bait. But thank God for Jesus. He came and, and redeemed us. So that's when, you know, sin came in the world. But we have to be on guard against the wiles of the devil, not the power of the devil, the schemes. The, the scripture talks about his schemes, his strategies. And here's the thing. Um, the Lord's been showing me that for a long time, I've been living as a passive Christian. It's not necessarily like, like a, a horrible thing. I'm still a Christian. I'm still a follower of Christ, but when you're just passive, there's, well, instead of just living passively, he wants us to live, and not just defensively either, but living offensively and being on guard. There's so much scripture. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Being on guard and being alert. There's so many scriptures that, that tell us and give us that, that advice and say, listen, be on guard. Be ready. Be looking. Know the plans. Like if you're in sports, you know, you've got to know the moves of your opponent. You study what they do and how they operate. Not that we focus our whole lives on the enemy or the devil. No. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about being smart, being wise, har harmless as a dove, but wise as a serpent, knowing that we do have an enemy. There is a devil, 
and he hates you, and he hates me. And if he, if he knows that he can't get you to, you know, denounce Christ, he's at least going to do everything he can to make you miserable and make you a poor witness here on the earth. And that is not the will of God. And so living offensively, offensively. All right, we often just live carnally minded, forgetting that there is an enemy. Where does he attack you? He attacks you in your mind. That's where the battle, that's where the battle happens. We just go about our business and we struggle in the flesh, not even realizing or knowing that it is the devil, but we have authority over him. Amen? We have authority over him. So the devil is the god of this world. There's two kingdoms. There's only two. The the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of God. And so when we um, before we receive Christ, we are in the kingdom of darkness, just like everybody else. But when we receive Jesus, we are translated from one kingdom to the next. And I think where so many of us, um, where so many of us trip up and not really receive or live the life, the beautiful life that Jesus died to give us, is because we toggle back and forth between the two kingdoms. Kingdom just means. Um, the king's domain, the place where the king reigns. And where the king reigns, he has a way of doing things. And so we're operating this way sometimes, and we're operating this way. So we, we abide by these principles sometimes, and we abide by these principles sometimes. And there's this mixture and inconsistency, and not even really realizing that that is what's happening. There, are, there is a spiritual realm. There's a realm that we cannot see. More real than the one we're in. Actually, the spiritual realm is the one that created this physical realm that we're in. God tells us in, his, uh, in the Word to be um, spiritually minded. Being aware, being spiritually aware. To be carnally minded is, um, is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, like, like Paul was telling the Romans. God wants you and me to live boldly. He wants us to live confidently. He wants us to live courageously and full of faith. It starts with realizing that the fight that we fight is not flesh and blood. We are fighting the fight of faith. But the Bible says it's a good fight, a good fight of faith. It's good because we've already won. We've already won. Ephesians um, chapter 6, verse 10 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Not against his power, against his schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, you might be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation. And the sword of the Spirit, which is, your, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit 
on all occasions with all kinds of prayers. There are many kinds of prayers. With all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. I want to focus on a couple things there. He said, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Be strong in the Lord, not for the Lord, and there is a difference. And this is where you get tired. This is where so many good people um, walk away from the faith. This is because there's things they don't understand. This didn't make sense. They got burnt out or whatever, and they were looking at man and got disappointed. He said, be strong in the Lord, not for the Lord. There is a difference. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Not your own, not your own strength. That's when you get tired. Um, that's when you surrender. That's when you become defeated. So how do I get, be strong in the Lord? We just talked about that. Putting on the whole armor of God, the complete armor of God, every piece. Implementing, um, uh, let's see, the whole armor of God so that when you are attacked, because you will be, we all will be, you can stand. You can stand. Salvation, truth, the word of God, righteousness, peace, faith. This is how you are able to stand. Romans 8, 5 through 8. Be, to be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. We have to be spiritually minded and think that way and think the thoughts of God. There's the mind of the flesh, which is sense and reason and that without the Holy Spirit. And then there's the mind of the Spirit, the mind of the Spirit is life and soul peace. It's peace of mind. The Scripture tells us in Isaiah 26.3, He will keep in perfect peace whose mind, whose mind is stayed on Him, who's got the, a mindset set on Him, set on Him. He will keep in perfect peace. Isaiah 40.27, uh, uh, I love this. I was reading this the other day and. I just kind of chuckled because I've been really studying and reading about in Exodus and Numbers, the children of Israel. And, you know, we're, we're really hard on them. <laughs> but we're a lot like them. At least I am. I was seeing myself so much in it. I was like, oh, Lord, I'm just so sorry, you know, just seeing it. He's shining a light on all kinds of stuff. But anyway, so it says here, why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say... My way is hidden from the Lord. <laughs> my cause is disregarded by my God. He said, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired and weary. His understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases power to the weak. Even youth grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength, and they will soar on wings like eagles, and they will run and not grow weary, and they will walk and not faint. We were just, kind of, we were just talking about being strong in the Lord and not for the Lord. That's how you do that. That's how you can run and not grow weary and walk and not faint. Have you ever had some of those thoughts we were just reading about um, or prayed those prayers? Because, you know, every, every word that comes out of your, your mouth, my mouth, is a thought first. 
It's a thought first. You know, I just, I just feel like I'm invisible. <laughs> um, I don't even know if the Lord hears me or even cares. Why does it seem like everyone else gets all the breaks except for me? I just feel disregarded, unimportant. I can't do anything right. You know, you're having a pity party. Anybody ever have a pity party or am I the only one? Am I the only one? Raise your hand if you've had a pity party before and you're like, yes. Um, <laughs> the Lord does not come to those parties. He's like, they're no fun. I'm not coming. Um, those who hope in the Lord, wait on the Lord. There's rest in that word, wait. Remain in the Lord, not relying on our own effort. Those are the ones that receive the promise. Um, so talking about the children of Israel in Exodus 16. They were griping and complaining about everything. You just, they just could not, God just could not make them happy at all, at all. You know, never mind. They're just griping about everything. You know, we're hungry, we're this, we're that. And never mind the fact that God just parted the Red Sea and they crossed over on dry ground. Never mind the fact that he's rained manna from heaven for like, I don't know how many thousands and thousands and thousands of people. That's a lot of manna. Um, and then they, they were griping and complaining. So this is so funny. Um, my friend Tanya and I were talking about this the other day. I don't know why some stuff is in the Bible. I think the Lord just likes us to just laugh sometimes. But so, you know, he's given them manna. They're tired of manna. They're whining about the manna and crying. They were like, we want meat. When we were in Egypt, we had all the meat we wanted. We had fish and blah, blah, blah. And the Lord was so mad. Because he was just sick of hearing it. Your kids ever complain? You're just like, I'm just sick of it. Shut up, you know? And uh, so they're, we want meat. We want meat. We want meat. And Moses is like, Lord, why did you call me to do this? You know, they were driving him crazy too. The Lord said, okay, you want meat? I'm not going to just give you meat for 10 days. I'm not going to just give you meat for 20 days. But for the next 30 days, I'm going to give you so much meat that it makes you sick, and you are going to violently vomit and puke it out your nose. <laughs> Am I the only one who just thought that was hilarious? It's like, why well, they really made him bad, you know? Anyway, so I just thought that was funny. Um, so never mind the Red Sea, the manna, the, the, the meat, the, the bitter water that he turned into sweet water, and the water coming out of the rock. You know, what we forget what we should remember, and we remember what we should forget. They forgot. To forget means to fail to remember and call to mind. They forgot all the miracles that they had been a part of and witnessed. They forgot. They didn't consider. And, um, and that's really how you stay grateful, you know. The Lord had delivered them from Pharaoh. After all those plagues, they didn't strike the Israelites. They witnessed all of these plagues, and they were unscathed, yet they forgot. They didn't remember. Um, they had been in captivity. They and their ancestors had been in captivity for like 400 years. They forgot. Now they're free, and they're griping and complaining. They're not under that harsh, late, they were slaves and they forgot. And as they left Egypt and headed to the promised land, they're leaving, and the Lord knew, Scripture says that the Lord knew 
there was, a, there was a faster route for them to go instead of going by way of the Red Sea. But if they went the, the faster route, they were going to have to go through Philistine. And if they went through that area, it was a warring area. There was a lot of war, a lot of fighting, a lot of problems, and that it was going to be difficult. And the, and the Lord knew that if they saw that difficulty, they would turn around and go back, and that would have been easier for them to go back that way. So he took them by way of the Red Sea, because if he could get them to the other side, they couldn't go back. And so I just think it was sweet of the Lord to, in spite of knowing that, he delivered them anyway. He already kind of knew what was, what was coming, but it was just all part of the, the plan of salvation. So they get to the Red Sea area, they're encamped there, and then they see um, Pharaoh and all of his armies coming toward them, and they were afraid. They were gripped with fear. But Moses said in Exodus 13, 14, I love this. He says, um, well, they, as soon as they saw him, they were gripped with fear. They start moaning and griping and complaining and crying to Moses, saying, are there no graves in Egypt? Couldn't we have just died there? You had to bring us here to die. We're all going to die. We're all going to die. I could just imagine how loud and obnoxious that was. You know, just all the wailing and screaming and ah. You know, Moses said, chill, chill. He was like so calm. He said, don't be afraid. Stand firm. And you will see the deliverance that the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians that you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. You need only to be still. How many situations are we facing or have we faced where it's like, oh my goodness, you know, you're crying, you're on the phone with your mom, you're on the phone with your girlfriend, you're on the phone with your neighbor. This is terrible. This is like completely defeated before you even know all the details or the facts. You've just, you're just assuming this is a done deal and it's over. You know, this is curtains for me. He said, you need only to be still. Can you imagine? Here comes this army toward you. They're going to, looks like they're going to kill you. But he's like, you know what? The Lord has already delivered you. You just need to be still. You just need to shut up is really what he's saying. <laughs> you just need to be quiet. They were afraid. Where does fear take place? In the mind. In the mind. But it affects the whole body. You know, scientifically, it is proven that fear does affect your entire body. It affects your health. It affects your organs. Um, stress, it's, it's hard on you. It's hard on you. Um, what if, you know, you're playing through, you're fearful, playing all these what-if scenarios in your mind and in your brain. Have you ever, um, like maybe you're alone in the car driving and maybe you're upset about something and you've worked yourself up into a tizzy and played out all kinds of scenarios and you're mad at all kinds of people for stuff they've never done? <laughs> or have you ever done that? And if they say this, then I'm going to say this. Anyway, um, the mind. <laughs> we have to get control over our thoughts. Casting down all those arguments, vain imaginations, anything high and lofty that doesn't measure up to the word of God. We cast it down. We don't have to take every thought that comes our way. We can't control the thoughts that come but we can control what stays. And so we have to consciously say, no, I'm not thinking that. 
No, I'm not freaking out about that. I'm going to be still because I believe that the Lord is for me and not against me. And he's my deliverer. And I'm more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ. Amen? Okay. The spiritual fight doesn't always look the same. This really helped me as the Lord was teaching me about this. And you know, the Lord is so sweet. If you ask him questions, you really want to know. Sometimes I'll say, Lord, will you teach me about that? I don't understand that. I'm confused. I'm reading this over here and this over here, and it just doesn't jive. Which one is it? Well, first of all, Scripture always interprets Scripture. So if you don't understand something that Scripture says, just keep reading. The answer is somewhere in there because it all harmonizes with each other. God doesn't contradict himself. But he will also use people. I can't tell you how many times this happened where I'm like, Lord, this does not make sense to me. I do not understand this or why you did that or whatever. And then I'll hear someone teach on it. Or, but I'm asking. I'm seeking. And then he, he does reveal it. So I was asking him about some things because it's like, okay, Lord, this person says over here, you need to like, you know, you pray and you possess it and you, and you got authority. And then this person over here is saying, be still and just rest and God's got it. So it's like, what do you do? You know, and I heard someone say the other day, I was listening to, I had never heard her before, but she was like really dynamic. And she's like, it's like, it's like you've got a, um, a car, uh, um, a hand of cards. You got these cards and you're like, okay, Lord, which card should I play? Because not every situation is the same. That's why you need a, a close relationship with the Holy Spirit. You need to know his voice. He's your counselor. And so he will tell you, I, got, I go to a counselor, and his name is the Holy Spirit. And he knows everything. He's the spirit of truth. And so he knows exactly all the details about your situation. And he knows which card you need to play, whether you need to just rest and be still or whether you need to get some holy, righteous anger, you just pray in the Spirit, and you take that thing by force, and you possess it. So you just need to ask the Holy Spirit, how do I deal with the situation? What's my next move? What's my next move? Not just being passive, not just being defensive, but being offensive. The spiritual fight doesn't always look the same. Like um, when David, David in uh, 1 Samuel, when the Amalekites came in and they stole Everything. Can you imagine? He's the leader. All these men, they stole their stuff too. Not just their stuff, but all the women, all their wives, all their children. Can you imagine the pain? Oh, my goodness. Everything, everything they had worked for, everything that they loved was gone and stolen by the enemy. I mean, I tried, as I was reading that, I was trying to imagine what that would feel like, and I just couldn't. You know, I'm sure that the pain, you know, he was in pain. His heart was hurting. And all the people wanted to stone him. But before he did anything, he got alone and he encouraged himself in the Lord, the Bible says. And so I was just imagining, I thought, oh, David, he, you know, we get so much, uh, he wrote so many songs and poems in the midst of his trials. And so I was just imagining what that might have looked like when he God alone, before he did anything, before he even talked to the Lord about it, he encouraged himself in the Lord. He basically had to rein his thoughts in. I'm sure they were going all over the place, imagining what his wife and kids were going through and all that stuff. And so Psalm 34, picturing David encouraging himself in the Lord, he says, I will extol the Lord at all times, and his praise will be, always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear 
and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. See, David's always bringing, one thing I love about him is he's always bringing himself in remembrance and reminding himself of when the Lord had delivered him and all the things that the Lord has done for him. That's how you encourage yourself in the Lord. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and he heard him and he saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around the, uh, those who fear him and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions might grow weary and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. And he just goes on and on and on. There's just, you know, so much in here. So David gets alone. He encourages himself in the Lord. He reminds himself of the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God because the enemy is going to come in and say, God did this. God stole that from you. But the devil, he comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. Jesus came to give life and to give it in abundance. So sometimes he'll tell you to pursue. Oh, so David gets, David encourages himself in the Lord. And then he says, Lord, what should I do? Should I pursue him? And the Lord said, pursue and recover everything. So David went and he got all his stuff back and uh, and he killed them all. (laughs) He smote them until the evening of the next day. I just imagine him just going in there. He's mad. (laughs) And he killed them all. He got all of his stuff back, all of his wives, all of his kids, and then all of the enemy's stuff too. So sometimes he's telling you to be still. Sometimes he tells you to pursue. You listen to the Holy Spirit. We need a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Isaiah said, when we wait, when we wait on the Lord like David did, he waited. He didn't just go in. It wasn't a knee-jerk reaction response. He waited on the Lord. That's when we mount up with wings like eagles. You know, eagles, um, eagles fly above the storm. They're not like any other bird. And we are told to mount up with wings like eagles. They soar above the storm. They're not even in it. They're above it. And that's the way we're supposed to live. We, we are in him and in his strength, not our own. The way we think is so paramount. It is paramount in determining how we live and the quality of life that we have here on this earth. Not just eternal life, but life here on this earth. Don't think defeated. Have a winning mentality. Be of the mindset that I can do all things through Christ because he's the one who gives me strength. Stop listening to every dysfunctional thought that comes your way. You don't have to. Tell your mind, you tell, you're the boss, you tell you (laughs) to think, get your thoughts in line with the word of God, with the word of God. Let's see, I don't want to, I have a lot of notes because I've been studying for months, so (laughs) I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. Let's see, we just need to be. We need to have the mind of the Spirit and not just mindlessly respond and say whatever we want and think whatever pops into our mind. We have to to fight smart, fight smart. We have to have a victorious mindset and a determination that we are going to win. There's not an option. We're going to win. There is no other option. Like the woman with the issue of blood in Mark chapter 5 
She thought to herself, she thought, if I could just get to Jesus, she tried everything else in the natural, but if I could just get to Jesus, I know I could be healed. If I could just touch the hem of his garment. So she goes, and there's a crowd, a throng of people. She's by herself. She's not thought well of because of her issue. And she pressed, and she pushed, and she was determined to win and to get what she came for. She was not deterred by the crowd. She was not deterred by the crowd. Or we need to be like the four crazy friends in Luke chapter 5. You know, everybody needs four crazy friends. People had come from all over, from Galilee, Judea, Jerusalem, to hear Jesus. There was a humongous crowd in the presence of the Lord. There was, um, it says that the, in the presence of the Lord, there was um, healing power. He was there to heal. And there were four guys who had a friend who was paralyzed, and he couldn't move his body on the bed. And so they heard about Jesus, and they were determined to get their buddy there and to get him healed. And they got there, and it was packed. People everywhere. And this was not, so this was not an original idea they had. Everyone came. And they could not find a way through the crowd. And the people probably looked and said, hey, back of the line, guys. You know, we've been here all day. And they could have said, bummer. You know, there's no way we'll ever get in there. Look at these people. They could have had a defeated mindset and saw the negative side of it. No, but they were possibility thinkers. They had that same spirit of Joshua and Caleb. You know, the, um, you know, when they sent the spies out to spy, the, spy out the land, and Joshua and Caleb were of a different spirit. They saw something. They all experienced the same thing, but they saw something that no one else saw. And so, like these four crazy friends, they weren't leaving without what they came for. And so, there were obstacles, but they were thinking of possibilities. They were like brainstorming, how could we get in there? And so they get to the top of the building carrying a lame man. Carrying a lame man, they take him up to the top of the building, which couldn't have been easy. There's an obstacle. And then who knows where the rope came from, and who knows what they cut the hole in the, in the roof with, and they lowered him down, and Jesus was like, oh my gosh, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. He thought it was the coolest thing. And he noticed them and you know, all the other people and the Pharisees and the other people there were just kind of you know, offended. It's like someone button in line. Nobody likes that. But they were determined. And Jesus thought it was so cool. And he's like, I've never seen this kind of faith in my life. This is awesome. This is awesome. And then Jesus forgives him of his sins and heals him. And you know the rest of the story. There's so much there, but We'll keep going. Um, The children of Israel thought defeat, and they thought negatively, and it kept them in the wilderness for 40 years. It kept them from possessing what was theirs. Their grumbling and complaining, their negative attitudes, it kindled the Lord's anger. I know like the Old Testament types and shadows of what was to come, but we can still learn so much of what God likes and what he doesn't like and what pleases him and what doesn't please him and how he operates. Max, my son, his birthday's tomorrow. He's going to be 12. And I just, oh, I just love, I just love him so much. He is, um, he's charming. Um, but he's a possibility thinker. All things are possible in his mind. He's going to figure out a way. If he wants something, he's going to figure it out, you know. And um, he's always been pretty positive, too. And I remember he was a little guy, maybe like five or six. And I went in to wake him up and for school. And I could tell that he was feeling kind of cruddy. 
I could tell he just didn't feel good. And his eyes were all glassy. And I said, you're not feeling so hot, bud? And he said, um, at least I'm not blind. <laughs> I thought, well, that is a really good attitude. At least I'm not blind. You know, how? at least I'm not whatever. You know, if we could just, all those bad things that come our way, if we could just, at least I'm not blind, um, I think. I think the Lord smiled when he said that. That was the cutest thing. Um, it was a good point, Max. Um, things could be worse. They could always be worse, right? Um, if we could have that attitude in life when things don't go our way, um, I think that things would be better for us. If we could think right thoughts enough, eventually our feelings and our actions will line up. Eventually. Maybe not at first. So don't quit. Don't give up. Philippians 4, 6 through 8, don't be anxious about anything. Don't worry about anything. Don't be fearful about anything. But in every situation, by prayer, with petition, thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace, then the peace of God comes. And it passes all of our natural understanding. It doesn't even make sense, the kind of peace that he brings. And, you, and that is what guards your hearts and your minds in Christ, is what it says. And we're supposed to bring our requests. Oh, he does not like griping and complaining, y'all. We've already established that. Remember the meat coming out the nose and all that? <laughs> he doesn't like it. <laughs> so um, Thanksgiving, he, may, he wants us to make our requests to him with Thanksgiving. And I was pondering that the other day. Thanksgiving, when do you tell someone thank you? When they bless you, when they give you something, when they do something for you, you say thank you. And so Really, when we come to him, we can come in faith with thanksgiving, knowing that he's already given it to us. Jesus is all, think about this, y'all. Jesus has already given us everything that he, he does, he's never created another thing. He created everything in the beginning. Everything is already available we just have to receive it by faith, and faith is the force, the spiritual force that gets things from one realm to the next. What you need already exists, but that's why we have to live by faith. Um, Romans 12, 2, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Not be conformed to this world. doesn't just mean don't do drugs and don't um, smoke and drink and get drunk and all this stuff. Um, not operating according to the world's system and the way that they operate and the way that they handle problems and the way that they, um, just their, the knee-jerk reaction that the world handles things. We operate according to a different, we are transformed, we are changed. To be transformed means you're changed by the renewing of your mind. And I love that word renewing because it indicates that it is continual. It's not like you renew your mind one time. We have to, I have to renew my mind every single day. And I do it early because the days that I don't, I notice it <laughs> in the day. I'm just not that nice. <laughs> so we renew our minds every single day. We have fickle feelings. Our feelings are not from hour to hour, some day to day, hour to hour, sometimes moment by moment. Our feelings are constantly changed. So we can't live according to what we feel and what our feelings are telling us, but we live according to um, the Spirit, the Word of God, 
and what we know is true. And the more we mature in the Lord, there are so many people who've, who've been Christians for years. Like, the, you know, think about the Israelites being in the wilderness for 40 years. They wandered around because of their griping and complaining and their mindsets. They wandered around in the wilderness. And so many Christians live that way, just wandering around, never really accomplishing or laying hold of everything that God has for them because of their mindsets and the way that they think and what they expect. People that say that they don't believe that, your, that our words matter or what we expect matters, well, they are getting it. We're getting it. The things that we say, the things that we think, that is what is coming to us. Those are the things that are dictating what we're experiencing in life. If the devil can keep you in a constant state of sorrow, I'm almost finished. If the devil can keep you in a constant state of sorrow, upset, confusion, questioning, wandering, discouragement, fear, anger, offense, grumbling, complaining, he's got you. He knows that he's not going to get you to denounce God, but he's sure going to do everything that he can to keep you from being effective in the kingdom of God. And all of these things will absolutely keep us from being effective in the kingdom of God. Where do all these things take place? The sorrow, the upset, the confusion, the discouragement, the fear, the offense, the bitterness, the resentment in the mind, in the mind need to have the mind of Christ. If you've, um, if you've lived your entire life thinking that you are a failure, that you are a disappointment, that you're, then you're going to live your life as a failure or a disappointment because our thoughts dictate how we live out our life. Our actions are in line with how we think. That's how we act. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. We live that out. We live that out. So I just want to challenge all of us. What, what have we been allowing ourselves to meditate on? You know, every time, you guys know who Dr. Caroline Leaf is? She's a, a spirit-filled um, neuroscientist. And her, her books are just, you know, fascinating. But it all lines up with the word about the mind and the thoughts. And how when you think, every time you think a negative thought, there is a, 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 like a groove in your brain. And the more you think it, the deeper that groove is, the deeper that groove. You can reverse it, but it's not easy. But we, rep we replace those negative thoughts with, that's how patterns are formed. You got all these grooves, and it's just a pattern now. Um, but you have to be intentional about reversing that and replacing those negative thoughts, not just getting rid of them, but replacing them with the word, with positive things, with things that are life-giving. And um, anyway talking about our words, and then I'll close. Um, do our words matter? First of all, every word, like I said earlier, every word starts with a thought. You have to think it first before it can become a word. And so words, I believe, are spirit, and they're eternal, and so they absolutely matter. And Romans 12, 2, talking about renewing our mind with the word of God. That's how we're changed. That's how we're transformed. It doesn't happen overnight, but it's consistency consistency one day after the other after the after the next after the next and after the next and before you know it that's your knee-jerk reaction that's your knee-jerk reaction um so something that I started doing not too long ago not not confessions like I'm not like trying to you know please don't mis misunderstand what I'm saying um but this is 
how I renew my mind, my mind every day with the Word of God. So this is how I'm setting myself up to think throughout the day. So I've been saying, you know, I'm sitting there with my coffee, half asleep. <laughs> Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And when you're saying these things, um, you begin to feel different. Your feelings start lining up with what you are saying. Have you ever been in a conversation and you know you're getting off in that conversation? You're like starting to talk negative or you're gossiping or, um, you know, you're just being negative. And the way that you, and so your feelings start corresponding with what you're saying. And that's true. Here too, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I am full of joy and gladness today because if God is for me, then who can be against me? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. My mouth will be full of your praise today because you are good and you inhabit the praises of your people. I've been made more than a conqueror and the battle's not mine. It is the Lord's. My God gives power to the faint, increases strength to them that have no might. I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. No weapon formed against me can prosper. Every tongue that rises up against me in judgment, Lord, you cut off and condemn and show to be in the wrong. God hasn't given me a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love and of power and of a sound mind. The spirit of God lives in me. He's the spirit of truth, teaching me and leading me in the way that I should go. So I am always at the right place at the right time. I'm anointed by God. His hand is on me. His favor is on me. I walk in the light and the wisdom of God. The word says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask and ask in faith, believing that you receive it and that he gives liberally wisdom. So I receive your wisdom today in Jesus' name. The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, shines brighter and brighter into the full day. I thank you, Lord. My steps are ordered by you. He's given his angels charge over me to keep me and protect me in all my ways. I'm healed and whole in every way from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. And everywhere I go, I'm a blessing. No corrupt communication comes out of my mouth, but only that which is good that ministers grace to the hearer. I diligently obey God, like the word says, and I'm careful to do what he says. And according to your word, Lord, I am the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I am blessed. And God said that he would make these blessings come upon me and overtake me. And I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the country. My children are blessed. My finances are blessed. The works of my hands are blessed. And God causes increase in my life. And I'm blessed when I come in, when I go out. The Lord causes my enemies who rise up against me to be defeated. They'll come at me one way and they'll flee seven ways. He commands his blessing on my storehouses and upon everything that I put my hands to so that I can be a blessing to others. The Lord has established every part of my life in Jesus' name. I'm rooted and grounded in his word. And as he is, so am I in this world. I'm a, I have victory over sickness and disease and poverty and over every evil thing. And I'm redeemed by the blood of Jesus. I'm almost done. <laughs> But this is really good. <laughs> I'm a new creature, and his power is at work in me. Demons are afraid of me because I walk boldly and confidently in the authority given to me by Jesus in his name. I resist the devil, and he flees from me. And whatever I bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever I loose on earth is loosed in heaven. I'm full of faith. I'm full of the Holy Spirit. I'm fruitful in every good work. And I always know what to do because the greater one, the spirit of truth, who knows all things, is in me. The spirit of the Lord is on me, and he has anointed me to heal the brokenhearted, to cause the blind to see and bring freedom to those held captive. He was wounded for my transgressions, and he was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him, and by his stripes I'm healed. He watches over his word to perform it. I'm healed, according to 1 Peter 2.24. I walk in love. The fruit of the Spirit is developing in 
me every single day and I'm effective in the body of Christ. He's the head, I'm part of the body, and I'm seated with him in heavenly places. At the right hand of the Father and the devil is defeated and under my feet in Jesus' name. I will never have cancer or any disease and my youth is being renewed like the eagles today. And every day I'm becoming more like him. I see people like he does. I love people like he does. I'm a light for Jesus everywhere that I go. God's anointing is on me. And people are drawn to that anointing everywhere that I go. I pray for the sick and they're healed. My children love God and walk in his ways and they always will. And they will walk out his plan for their lives. Marcus and I walk and live in agreement. And God is using us as a couple to do great and mighty things for and in the kingdom of God. We love to help people. We are willing and we are obedient. And I'm a believer and not a doubter. My faith is growing every day. Like I really am almost done. Um. I love the truth. I will not be deceived. I walk in the spirit of wisdom and revelation. My heart is flooded with light. The eyes of my understanding are open so that I can know him better, so that I can understand the hope and the purpose of my calling, so that I can know and understand the power that is at work in me, that he exerted that same power he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. That same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me, is quickening my mortal body today. I'm strong. I'm blessed. I'm a blessing. I'm a great communicator. The Lord is opening doors for me to minister to people and to win people to Christ. He has equipped me and empowered me. My mind is healthy and strong. My memory is excellent. My spirit is healthy and strong. My body is healthy and strong. And he meets all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And I have all the money that I need to do what he has called me to do. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So I'll declare it all the days of my life. There's no lack in my life. I'm sharp. I'm smart. I'm wise. I have self-control. Every part of my body functions like He created it to function, and he watches over his word to perform it in Jesus' name. Boom. (laughs) No, but when I do that, my mind is renewed. And even like on days when I don't have, maybe I don't have time to sit and read through that. I've done it so much that it just... It just wells up, you know, like I'm in my car and I'm just saying it, speaking. Instead of thinking about all the things that I'm mad about, I'm thinking about all the things that God's called me to do and possibilities. And I'm loving people and seeing people like Jesus does. And, and then my actions line up. Every single time, no. But, I mean, I'm on a journey. We're all on a journey, you know. And God has great, great things. But we just need to realize we have an enemy. We have to fight the battle the right way, not in the flesh. It's a spiritual battle. We get dressed for battle every single day, like, like the word tells us in Ephesians. And we, we consult with the Holy Spirit. We talk to him about every situation and let him lead us and guide us. And this is how we live victoriously in Jesus' name. As he is, so are we in this world. Amen? Amen. Well, let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. Oh, it's so awesome, Lord. Pray that you continually... Uh, that you would reveal yourself throughout the week to each and every one of us personally. Anything that people are going through here, I pray that you would give them wisdom and, and just help them. Let, them. let them sense your presence with them this week. And you just give them supernatural wisdom and insight in all situations, Lord. I pray for every person here. God, let us live victoriously according to your plan, according to your will. Show us where we need to make adjustments. God, we yield ourselves to you and your Holy Spirit and your direction, Lord. We want to be more like you, and um, we want to be good witnesses and examples of you here on the earth. And we love you so much, God. Thank you for your word. Let it be sealed in our hearts by your Holy Spirit. Talk to us this week in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. You guys have a good week, and uh, Pastor Scott will be here on Sunday.